Today, though, today we're completing our Thanksgiving series entitled Thrive. Rejoice, pray, give thanks. Rejoice, we talked about that. Pray, we talked about that. We're going to talk about the Thanksgiving today. Thrive, the word means to grow or develop well or vigorously. It's more than just, you know, you see a, a child who is just surviving because they don't get enough food to eat and stuff like that. You know, they, they just aren't, they're not growing uh, there, there's no real life going on there. And then you see a child that's striving. You know, they're active and they're playing and they're happy and they're eating and, and things are good with them. The, that's what we want spiritually. That's what we want in our lives. We want our lives to count for something. We want them to mean something. We want to do more than just kind of get up and get by uh, each and every day. So the idea behind this series has been we thrive when we rejoice pray, and give thanks. And the heart of this series focuses on three short verses of Scripture in a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica, which is in northern Greece. Uh, in these three verses, there are three imperatives, you know, kind of like commands. Uh, uh, somebody says, go to the store. That's an imperative. Uh, so it, it's a command. And there's actually more than three. There's a bunch of them there. But, but these are three that you must do if you want to thrive at Thanksgiving. They're very simple kinds of things. But as we've talked about, simple and easy are not the same thing. A lot of real simple things are difficult uh, to do. Uh, the catch with these three words is that they're, they're verbs, you know. Pray, that's a verb. Rejoice, that's a verb. Give thanks, that's a verb. And then there's an adverb or an adverbial phrase attached to each one. That's a word that, that, that describes or enhances the verb, right? And so it's those three words or phrases that go with it that kind of make these things seem like they're impossible, but they're not. So here they are with one extra verse added for context. Paul is concluding this letter that he writes to this church in northern Greece with a number of encouragements to his readers in ur urging them to keep the basics, do the basic stuff of life. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 15. He says, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. Nobody and you know, always, we get a lot of these kind of uh, uh, words here. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. Now that's what we like to do. That's what we kind of get some pleasure out of. You hurt me, buddy you're gonna know about it, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna hurt you back again. But he says, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. But here's what you're supposed to do. Always strive to do what is good for each other and for everybody else. Paul's teaching about rejoicing and praying and giving thanks is not just about God and me. It's not just about my personal relationship with God. It's always about loving God and loving others, or loving God by loving others. It's a mind-boggling, absolutely countercultural kind of a thought that he's giving us in that particular verse of Scripture. It's, it's a thought, by the way, that permeates the entire Christian Bible, with the, beginning with the teachings of Jesus, where he says things like, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, do good to those who hate you. But we ask ourselves, how is it possible that I can do what that verse says, always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Well, as we've been saying for three weeks, it starts like this in the next verse, verse 16. 
rejoice always. We talked about that, and I'm going to say a little bit more about it this morning. It starts to rejoice always. Well, how can I do that? Well, that starts with the 17th verse, pray continually. And, and, and how can I pray continually? And I said last week, that's the best way to start that is with thanksgiving, which is what we conclude with today. Verse 18, give thanks. And, and, and here's the phrase that enhances that, in all circumstances, not for everything. I mean, there's a lot of bad stuff. There is bad stuff that happens in our life, terrible stuff that happens in our lives. And thoughts say, oh, thank the Lord, I lost my job and I can't pay my bills. You know, no, 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 we're not thankful for that, but we can be thankful in that situation that God takes care of us and cares about us and provides for us anyway. So give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And remember, I said this every Sunday, I want to say it one more time. If God says do something, you can do it. Now, I might tell you to do something sometime, and you can't do it. But if God says do something, you can do it. It may not be easy. It may be very difficult. And you may need his help to do it, but you can do it. So we began with rejoice always, right? The, 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 the 16th verse, rejoice always. And I said the primary way we do this is to remain focused on Jesus rather than focusing on our problems. A nice general statement, not so easy to put into practice, but a general statement anyway, and it's the truth, remain focused on Jesus rather than focusing on our problems. Uh, as we are tempted to move our focus from, to our problems from Jesus, the Apostle Paul, in another letter he wrote to another church, Philippians chapter 4, he said this, when we have reason to be anxious, worried, and stressed out, first thing we need to do is practice loving others. Let your gentleness be known to people. Let people, other people see that, that you care about them and that they are important to you. And then the second thing is with a thankful attitude, take all your anger, your frustrations, your heartaches, and your worries to God in prayer. And so we ended with prayer uh, that Sunday. And then the next Sunday, last Sunday, we talked about prayer, uh, continual prayer. Uh, pray continually was what the second verse said, the 17th verse, and that indicates a relationship. Last week we said it kind of indicates that, that God is with me, you know. He is my God, and I'm his child, and he's always there wherever I am. He dwells inside of me. He's sitting beside me when I'm driving down the street, he's, or when I'm working, or, you know, when I'm, uh, he walks the, you know, the few holes of golf that Tom and I play together. He's there all the time, and you can talk to him. And you should, you don't ignore a person who's there all the time if you love him. And so uh, that's the idea here. Communicate with God as the one who's always by your side. Pray often and repeatedly for people and things that are important and never give up on prayer. Take time to pray when you feel like it and when you don't feel like it. Like the, the psychologist Carl Jung said, hurry is not of the devil, it is the devil. So don't get in such a, a, a hurry that you think you don't have time to stop and take a few minutes with God. Yeah, you can talk to him when you're rushing, sure. But sometimes you just need to stop and take a little while and talk to God. And then we said, as we talked about pray continually, we said start every day with Thanksgiving. And today, the Sunday before Thanksgiving Day 2018, we conclude with this subject, give thanks in all 
circumstances, the good circumstances and the bad circumstances. There are unhappy circumstances. This doesn't mean you have to go around with a silly grin on your face all the time. But be thankful in all circumstances. The command is, is not about being thankful for bad things, but about being thankful in the middle of chaos and bad stuff that might be going on around you. How can you give thanks when you lose your job or lose your health or lose a loved one? How can you be thankful when you're struggling to pay your bills? And yet Paul tells us that we should always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. Why? Why should I do that? How? How can I do that? We're going to talk about those things today. I want to start with this idea, though, uh, in giving thanks in all circumstances. Thankfulness is prominent throughout Scripture. I believe we could all agree that we need to be more thankful. People around us need to be more thankful. Everybody just seems to think, you know, they deserve stuff. Somebody owes them something. Rather than being thankful when somebody does something for them or gives them something. Jesus always gave thanks. Remember one time in the life of Jesus, he fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. He prayed and asked God's blessings on them before he did it. And one time he's fed 4,000 people, same kind of a way. And he prayed and asked God's blessing. Before every meal, he prayed. And the last meal that's recorded, the Last Supper, uh, or Jesus instituted what we call communion or the Lord's Supper or Eucharist, the Last Supper, uh, he prayed before that meal. We're going to get to that in a minute because Jesus is all, always our example about everything. But how about the Apostle Paul? You know, he's a, he wrote a lot of the, what we call the New Testament, the Christian Bible. From, he was in prison. He was in jail when he wrote this. Ephesians 5, verse 18, he said, Do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery, ruins your life. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Verse 19, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Verse 20, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This thanksgiving, it works in. He was also in prison when he wrote a letter to the church at Colossae. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace and be thankful. This comes up over and the next verse. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. I hope that's part of what we do on Sunday mornings. I hope we sing to God with gratitude. Uh, in our hearts. Verse 17, and whatever you do, no matter what your activity is, in word or deed, if it's something you say or something you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Give thanks. No matter what you're doing, be thankful in everything. And later in that same letter, he wrote this, Colossians 4, 2, devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. There's a young pastor that learned from Paul. His name was Timothy. And to this young pastor, Paul wrote this, 1 Timothy chapter 2. I urge then, first of all, 
that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be, be made for all people. Thanksgiving be made for all people. He certainly didn't mean that president I don't like, either the pastor or the president one, or he certainly didn't mean that senator I don't like, whichever one it happens to be, or that agricultural commissioner, you know, that they're doing the reek. Certainly he didn't mean I have to pray for the, the guy I don't like. Well, the next verse says, for kings and for all those in authority, pray for them and be thankful for them. Why? That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all goodness and holiness. Verse 3, this is good and pleases God our Savior. Why? Because verse 4, God wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So he said, pray for these people and be thankful for these people so that you can live a peaceful life because God wants everybody to come to him. In verse those verses, Paul kind of begins to address the first question, the why question, right? So let's discuss that why. Why should I give thanks in all circumstances? Why should I do that anyway? That sounds dumb to me. Why should I give thanks in all circumstances? Now, for some, just the fact that Paul said it, you know, it's in the Bible, is enough, right? For some people, it's enough. So we go back to that statement, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances. Why? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And because God wants you to do it. And, and you know, if God, here's what I know to be true. If God says do something, it's better for you if you do it. And it's worse for you if you don't. And so God said do it. And it's, when God says do something, it's better for us. And uh, so, uh, yeah, that's, that's enough for some people. But there is even more to it than that. Consider the benefit to yourself, your family, your friends, your associates, to society, those things that Paul just talked about. And some of the research that I was doing, I came across this lady right here. Her name is Gretchen Crow, a good Catholic lady, I think, from based on the website that I went to. If you'd like to read what she wrote, I, in, in the bulletin, in the out, uh, there's an outline, and I put the website. But here's what Gretchen Crow said about Thanksgiving, and it impressed me. She said, I'm not a theologian, but it always seems to me that if there was one really fundamental key to living the spiritual life, it's having a deep spirit of gratitude. The key to really living the, right, the life is a deep attitude of gratitude. Real gratitude is an ultimate sign of humility. That's good, right? A virtue of which each one of us could never have enough. Here's another thing she says about gratitude. It's the stones on the path to a positive attitude. So you got humility, you got a positive attitude, you got a deep spiritual life. It's the key to unselfish behavior. Because if I'm thankful, it's not, life is not all about me. It's the very root of what it means to love and to to value all of creation and all of life from its first moments of conception to the last natural breath. Thanksgiving, it's the key to all those things. A healthy spirit of gratitude helps us to keep the proper order of things, God first, and at the center of our lives. As St. Paul said to the Colossians, and we just read this, Colossians 3.17, whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So you might say, okay, all right. I agree, giving thanks in all circumstances is a good idea. 
we should do that. But the question is, how? You know, I don't feel very thankful a lot of times in my life. How am I going to do that? So that's the last question, right? How can I give thanks in all circumstances? Now, for the answer to that question, we're going to look to begin with at the example of Jesus. I said Jesus is our supreme example in everything, right? At the close of his life on this earth, the final Jewish Passover, on the night of his betrayal, Jesus was sitting with his closest followers, the 12, and they, they observed the Jewish Passover meal. And then at the end of that Passover meal, Jesus segued into something new that we call communion or the Lord's Supper. Just one verse about that in Luke's gospel, chapter 22 and verse 19. This is Luke's account of what happened. And, and he says, and he took bread, that is Jesus took bread, gave thanks. I highlighted that phrase, gave thanks, and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He took this bread and he, later he would take the cup too. Took the bread and he gave thanks to God for the bread that represented his body and the suffering that he was going to endure the very next day. By the way, the word, the Greek word translated gave thanks, I don't give you a lot of these words, but it is the Greek word eucharisteo, to be grateful for or to give thanks for. And of course, we get our English word eucharist from that. It just means the giving of thanks, the Eucharist, the giving of thanks. How could Jesus be thankful when he looked at the bread and the cup that represented his body and blood? He was about to suffer in an indescribable way, physically, mentally, and spiritually. He's going to be separated from the Father and have all the sin of all time placed on his shoulder. How could he be thankful in that situation, think about it. One guy put it like this, as though Jesus was praying, thank you, Father, that my body, symbolized by this bread, is about to be brutally, brutally broken, and I am about to be momentarily damned by your wrath so that you will receive supreme glory in being able to forgive undeserving sinners, and I'll share e eternal full joy with hundreds of millions of forgiven sinners made righteous through your sacrifice. How could Jesus do that? How could he say, I am thankful in what is about to happen. We know that, that, that when he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed to the Father, Father, if it's possible for this cup to pass from me, if, if we can do this any other way, let's do it. Nevertheless, not my will be done. So it's not like he was wanting to go through all the pain, but he was thankful anyway. Jesus' thankfulness was not based on his present circumstances because he was about to endure the worst possible horror. He felt thankful to the Father for the grace and the glory that was coming because of the cross, and that gave him joy. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 12 and verse 2, that's described like this. Kind of pick it up in the middle of a sentence because I don't want to have to read a whole bunch of verses. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. So we do that. We're going to get back to this verse, by the way, in the Christmas season. Who? Notice the second half of the verse. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. That's what got him through. 
for the joy that was going to result from this suffering, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God in heaven. Jesus' eyes were on future joy. He got this. Think about this. He got through the cross by not focusing on the cross, but on the promised joy that would result from it. That's why he made it through there. Jesus, the man, all man as well as all God. He got through it not by focusing on, boy, this is really going to be hard. This is going to hurt a lot. Everybody's going to walk away from me. All my friends are going to be gone. Every, everything's going to be bad. But he focused on the joy that was going to result from it. That's where God wants us to be focused, on future joy. So we could say this about ourselves, future joy fuels your thankful endurance. Right? Future joy is what can say, I'm going to be thankful in this circumstance, even though I wish it had turned out a different way. Even though I wish something different had happened. So, what do I have to look forward to? Talk about future joy. What do I have to look forward to? Well, I'm just going to talk about me. I think it includes you. Uh, if I have trusted Jesus as my Savior, that is the forgiver of my sins, the leader of my life, I already have God's gift of eternal life that guarantees the forgiveness of my sin and guarantees me eternity with him. I love the words of Jesus in John's Gospel, recorded in John's Gospel, chapter 5, and verse 24, which says, and I'm not going to put all these verses up, very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. It's not something I'm going to get. You know, I, I say it's not a will you die, open one eye kind of a thing. If you see flames, you're in trouble. If you see an angel, you're okay. Uh, no, I have right now, right now, because I've trusted in Jesus, I have eternal life and will not be judged. I will never be adjudicated guilty of my sins. Never in the future at any time. Not going to happen but has crossed over from death to life. That means eternity in that place we call heaven along with everybody else who has ever gone or will ever go there. And as long as I serve God on this earth and as long as I'm a giver on this earth, he has promised to meet all my needs. In Philippians 4:19, he said, Paul said, my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. He was talking to givers and helpers there. I'm going to receive, according to 2 Corinthians and Hebrews, the grace I need in every circumstance. Whatever God calls me to do, he's going to be with me. Uh, scripture says God's never going to give up on me. I'm going to have a lot of ups and downs in my life, but God will never give up on me. In, in Philippians 1, uh, the apostle wrote, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. And I know that one day God's going to raise me from the dead if I die. Could be I might be alive when Jesus comes back again. But if I'm not alive when Jesus comes back again and I die, then here's what the apostle wrote. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We, we will not all sleep. That's another word for die. We will not all sleep or die, but we will all be changed in a flash in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed for the perishable this body that deteriorates and has all kinds of things wrong with it, for the, per this, the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, the perfect body that does not decay. The mortal must put on immortality. 
I love my life. You know that? I, lo I love Gene. Can't imagine it'd be any better than loving Gene. I love Todd and Brad, my sons. I love Cassie and April, the two best daughters-in-law in all the world. I love Connor and Caitlin, my grandkids are here. And I love Mackenzie, Matthew, Mason, Maddox, and Molly, the five who are in Memphis. I love them all, you know. I love you. And I love the opportunity to serve you. And I love spending time with you. I love playing golf with Tom. I love riding motorcycles with Rusty and whoever happens to join us and David and the other guys that come. And, and I love that kind of stuff. I love it. But for me, as good as that is, the best is yet to come. The very best from God is still in the future. Full joy, complete peace, no problems, all in the presence of God. So I got stuff here. I got stuff to look forward to tomorrow, whether if I'm alive, and I have eternity to look forward to. And that's what we've been talking about, right? In our statement, future joy fuels your thankful endurance as we think. I, you, know, you know why people quit? You know why people commit suicide? It's because they lose hope. Got nothing for tomorrow. But we do have something for tomorrow, and that hope, that future joy that we have is what keeps us thankful today. So how, this would be in your outline, how to cultivate a thankful attitude. Let me just give you these, these things quickly here. Number one, designate a certain time of your day for giving thanks to God. You, you, you schedule everything else, right? Meal time, work time, study time. Uh, golf time, fishing time, shopping time, you schedule everything else. Schedule some time in your day to thank God. And it helps, by the way, if you have a list, if you write stuff down, if you have a journal, you write down what you're thankful for. That way you go back and you read it and you can just keep adding to it and not forget some stuff. And, and if you have a prayer that you've been praying for God for and he answers it, you can add that to your list and go back and read about it. So number one, designate a certain time of your day for giving thanks. And number two, Discipline your thoughts to remain thankful even in difficult situations. It's a lot easier to sulk about our problems than it is to think about the good things for which we can be thankful. But discipline yourself. Just say, God, help me here. I know, I'm, I know I'm, my attitude's getting bad, and I'm thinking about the wrong thing. So I always say, God, fill my mind with some good stuff, and he'll bring good stuff to my to my mind. By disciplining yourself to focus on the good things, you'll get stronger. Number three, develop an attitude of thankfulness through reading scripture. Uh, make daily Bible reading a part of your life. Get the Bible app on your phone or your iPad or whatever and get a good plan and read the Bible on a regular basis. Read the, the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Start with John. You know, read, read those things and be encouraged by them. Number four, Deal with an ungrateful attitude in yourself immediately. Don't let it smolder and linger and just make you bitter and sour. It's easy to get wrapped up in our problems, but try to remember that even in our need, God's taking care of us, and there are good things. And number five, and maybe this is key, dedicate yourself to encourage others towards a spirit of thankfulness at all times. Focus on Jesus by focusing on others. Get your eye off yourself. Say, I'm going to help that other person be thankful in their tough situation. And that will make you better. The verses, one more time. 1 Thessalonians 5.15. Make sure 
that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. But always strive to do what is good for each other and for everybody else. Verse 16, rejoice always. Verse 17, pray continually. Verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will, is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. How can I do that? Last thing you're going to see on the screen from me today is this. Focus on Jesus rather than on your problems and your doubts. We all got them. I'm talking about problems and doubts, right? We all have problems and doubts. Focus on, it, it's not the easiest thing in the world to do, but it's, it's, it's the key. It's the bottom line for everything that we've said as we go into Thanksgiving. Focus on Jesus rather than your problems and your doubts. Let's pray. Father, once again, I thank you for being here with us. I don't do a good job of that all the time, focusing on you instead of focusing on my problems and doubts. Sometimes I get sucked down the hole. But help me to do better and help each one of us to do better and to realize that even in the darkest time that you're still at work and guide us in being able to focus on the joy that we have in the joy of the future. 